How do you tell psychiatrists from the patients in the hospital? The patients get better and leave. Lisa Scottaline. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping Kennedy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie Ward. This is, uh, as far as I know, the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. That's not an official intro, so that's why I say it a little different every time. Um... All right, let's just jump into it. I've had a pretty busy week and I've got a lot of stuff going on right now too, so I didn't have time to do a a great story, but to be fair, none of them have been great. So let's get started. Pat sat in the truck while he waited for his partner to return with the food. They were on nine, hour nine of a 12-hour shift and three in the morning meant that they needed to keep things quiet for another three hours. Three o'clock could be the quietest time in the city, but it could also be the busiest for a couple of paramedics. Ronnie returned to the ambulance. He climbed in the passenger seat and handed Pat a pokeball. This is brown rice, said Pat. It's all they had, responded Ronnie. I hate brown rice. I thought you hated all rice, so I figured it didn't matter what kind it was. I don't hate rice said Pat. Pat took the bowl of food and started shoveling it down. He didn't care. It was late. They were hungry, and he was tired. They both just wanted to go home. Pat enjoyed his career, but he had been having trouble recently. Over the last decade, he'd seen his share of shit. Overdoses, wrecks, gunshot wounds. He'd even once responded to a call when someone thought that they could cross the train track intersection only to find out the steel of the train tracks will slice the head clean off a body. And if the objects try to occupy the same space at precisely the right moment, the heat from the train trying to break in vain can cauterize the decapitated head, making for gruesome yet comical scene. Pat had seen it all. Nothing fazed him. That was sort of the problem, though. Now, nothing fazed him. He was good at his job. He and Ronnie were a pair that had been working together so long, watching them intervene was like a morbid ballet. One would stabilize the neck, the other would intubate, or vice versa. They rarely spoke aloud when they were operating, even though it was against protocol. Their synergetic expertise was flawless. They didn't need to talk. Two weeks ago, Pat and Ronnie had been called to the scene of an accident. Apparently, an off-duty cop had pulled over to help a woman whose car had broken down on the side of the road. While attempting to fix the woman's tire, a drunk driver swerved a little too far out of the road and swiped the gentleman, sending his body 50 meters down the road. Tommy. The victim's name was Tommy. Do you remember the call on the 12th? Pat asked. We take a lot of calls, said Ronnie. Was there something special about this one? The off-duty police officer that stopped to help the woman, said Pat. Yeah, I think so. A little a bloody mess that one was, 
said Ronnie. The two said nothing. The silence of the city night was serenaded by the sound of the two men eating. After a few minutes, Pat said, No reason. The two finished their meal, and after a quick cigarette and pee break, they both prepared for the final three hours of their shift. Pat was driving. He pulled the ambulance out of the parking lot and took them out onto the street. Second shift and first shift were both 12 hours, but they were like two different jobs. Working the day was primarily comprised of making house calls to seniors who were having minor medical emergencies, housewives that were worried about their children, most of the time not even having problems that EMS was needed for, and the occasional accident or trauma case. Second shift, on the other hand, was like driving into a war zone during a conflict that would never end. Criminals feel more confident operating under the cover of darkness, but you also have the youth who are going out to have a good time. Drinking and parties, good times lead to great times lead to bad times. Nights you'll never remember make for nights that Pat would never forget. He didn't know why he was so haunted by this accident from two weeks ago. Pat had seen trauma. No one working as a paramedic for more than a few days in this city would go without bearing witness to the unforgiving nature of the world. The truth was, Tommy's accident wasn't even particularly gory compared to many of the calls he'd been on over his career. There was something that just couldn't leave the back of his mind. The box in the back seat. A small, pink, shiny cardboard box wrapped with a pink bow. Clearly a gift for a special woman in his life, or at least a special woman of the evening. Pat, cried Ronnie. Pat came to his senses and righted the vehicle that he was letting drift towards the side of the road. You okay, bud? You need me to take over for a while? Asked Ronnie. I'm fine, said Pat. Didn't get much sleep yesterday. We still got three more hours, said Ronnie. I can cover you, but you'll owe me. I'm fine. I'm sorry. I was just, I was thinking of something, said Pat. Pat wasn't fine. That box was clearly for someone special. Tommy must have been a good man. The woman he had pulled over to help, she wasn't any young, cute thing. She was clearly in her late 60s and was, and he was off duty. There was no obligation to stop. Then again, what if the gift hadn't been headed to someone? Perhaps he was driving away. Maybe he'd presented it to a lover who rejected him, and he was looking for peace in a moment of service. I hate when the bodies get dragged down the road and leave a bloody trail on the pavement, Pat said. Funny, said Ronnie. I kind of like it. It's like our resume is plastered all over the streets of our city. Every one of those had a family, said Pat. And some of them get to see those families again. More of them than would if we didn't show up, said Ronnie. For real though, partner, Ronnie asked, looking at Pat with concern in his eyes. You getting soft? Is something going on? Pat was present, but didn't turn to look at Ronnie. He kept his eyes on the road and hands on the wheel, as if he was alone in the vehicle. No, I don't know. Maybe I'd just pat that for a moment. No, I'm good. 
There were two hours left in their shift. They had answered a quick call for a young male in his 30s that had been found laying face down, unresponsive in the park. It was a simple, homeless man that had decided to take a nap and apparently was so freshly homeless that he was too well-dressed so when the late-night jogger stumbled upon him, they didn't even imagine that this young man was simply trying to take a nap and had fallen asleep a little too hard, perhaps with the assistance of something. Other than that, it had been a quiet night. Only three calls total. Sometimes Pat liked it when it was quiet. Everyone enjoys taking it easy every now and then, but there's times when staying busy made the shifts go faster. And then there were nights like this, where the slow grind of the minute hand offered the opportunity for Pat's mind to wander too far into the depths of places that he'd rather not visit. Not because they were traumatic per se, but there was a far worse element to the recesses of this dreary nostalgia. The emptiness of a compartmentalized mind, where nightmares were locked in cells and placed under the full, watchful supervision of his consciousness. A consciousness that, like a stern prison warden, wandered the halls, occasionally checking to make sure that everyone was where they needed to be, but never unlocking the doors. I've been thinking about taking a trip to Abaco, said Pat. You should go to Paradise, said Ronnie. I took Veronica on a honeymoon. It's gorgeous. It was the last time we were ever happy. <laughs> I miss that place. Are things not going well, said Pat. They're going just fine, said Ronnie. I'm here with you and I'm about to work a double. Ronnie was always working doubles. Pat would take him back in a few hours, and Ronnie would spend the next 12 hours riding around with some other young medic that still believed they could save the world. Ronnie and Pat had been at this too long. They knew their job wasn't save lives. It was to keep lives from getting worse. Two hours remained. They were getting close. One more quick call. They'd responded to a laceration with minor bleeding and bandaged the warehouse workers. They continued on their rounds. They talked about the Eagles and a recent Chicago cover band concert that Pat had gone to. But everything indicated that it would just be another night. Hey, partner, mind pulling over at the donkeys up ahead? I'd like to grab yesterday's paper. Sure, said Pat. I could go for a cup of coffee. People who work third shift hours live in a totally different world. Ronnie loved to read the paper on quiet nights, but working during the third shift hours meant that most nights he was reading a paper that hadn't been breaking for almost 24 hours. It was like being two days behind everyone else. Sometimes they were lucky and they would find a drop-off where on quiet nights he could grab the early morning edition when they caught the delivery guy, but most of the time he was reading old news. The two men reconvened in the truck in the front seats, Pat took a sip of his hot, mild brew. It was never hot enough, but that was just another part about their shift. Old papers, old coffee. The radio went off in the truck. Dispatch to anyone in the vicinity of Figueroa and Ray? Pat looked at his watch, which read 4.33. You want to take this one? Pat asked. Ronnie was scanning the front page of his paper. What the hell? Let's do it. <laughs> Nothing's going on yesterday, replied Ronnie. Pat picked up the mic and called back. Truck two, 
with three minutes out. Pat pulled out of the donkey's parking lot and they headed to their call. Pat's mind wandered, thinking not of what they'd find on the other end, but of the breakfast he was going to have when they got home. He could hear Ronnie getting the details from the dispatch, but the conversation going on right next to him felt distant. Maybe someone was already dead. Perhaps there was nothing going on at all. Maybe someone was calling about their pet, or they couldn't get their TV to work. That had happened before. It was all the same. As much as every case they encountered was unique with its own challenges and dangers, these men were not gods. They existed. Perhaps God had left their city. What kind of all-caring watchman would allow his children to suffer the pitfalls of navigating the dangerous death-trap maze of life? Pat didn't know. Maybe, in fact, they were, there was a god, and they were the angels of mercy arriving to find those in need. It was not uncommon for them to be welcomed to find the victims of misfortune, greet them with excitement, and the praise of them being the answer to their prayers. They had also been cursed. Why hadn't they arrived sooner? Why couldn't they have done more? No, they were not angels, nor were they demons. They were men. Two men. Two men in a city of men. Trying to fix little breaks in life and scratch the itch of the living organism that was the city. One day they would check in for their final shift. One day they would make their final call. If they were lucky, it would be followed by a happy, retired life, living with loved ones and taking up hobbies perhaps volunteering or teaching younger medics. If they were not lucky, their name might go on a wall in the office with the names of some of their other unlucky employees. All Pat knew was that he had an hour and a half left on a shift, and he wanted his eggs poached. All right, that's all for this week. Thanks for tuning in to the Silver Linings Playcast. Uh, I have been your host, Jamie Ward. Uh, we are here this week with this story and every week with new fan fiction set in the silver linings playbook extended universe uh we'll be back next week with more stories that nobody asked to write and even fewer people listen to until next time we'll see you down the road and excelsior He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced, the other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah.